0: This is Soundtrack, a music podcast about the music that impacts our lives. Every episode is a conversation of how music has shaped and influenced one's life, because music is the soundtrack to everyone's story. Soundtrack is hosted by Kyle Lichty. Hey
1: everyone, I'm here with Josh. How's it going? Going great. Happy to be here. Awesome. We've known each other for... I would say five years now. I remember my roommate Paul inviting you and I think it was Becky as well mm-hmm. to come to our movie nights. Oh yeah. And you and, and Becky came and hit it right off with uh first off our appreciation for film. Yep. Since then you know, we've been doing the movie nights every year for the Oscars, which has always been a lot of fun to do and then over that time, we've gotten to not only know each other and the things that we're doing, but even get to talk a little bit about music.
2: So, absolutely. Yeah. All the great music that comes along with film.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting, actually, that you say that because you didn't have anything mentioned in your your yeah. outline <laughs> with that. I'm so,
2: inspired by movies, but yeah, or TV shows. But uh, yeah, I, d- I didn't put that down in my notes for my history, did I?
1: Which is fine. Well, I, but I've maybe got you... The,
2: uh, the you know the best the best soundtrack, right? I mean, the Greatest Showman.
1: Oh, so, that's true. Twenty eighteen. That's true. We'll definitely talk about that. <laughs> so, you're originally from Door, Michigan, which is just south of Grand Rapids, yep. right? And it's an interesting spot to me because you would think it's country, but there's a lot of development recently. In that particular part of Allegan County.
2: Oh yeah. The casino has made it wildly popular in the area for people to come through Tanger outlet mall. Yeah. From Byron center. So yeah, it's basically halfway between Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo.
1: Right. And what was it like to grow up there? What give people a better snapshot of what it was like.
2: Sure. Yeah. So, um, my dad lived in, um, A house that didn't really have close neighbors, you know, you have to take a five minute walk to meet your neighbors, riding our bikes everywhere, down dirt roads, into town to, you know, go to the ice cream shop or Subway. My siblings both work there, so we would just ride bikes around town a lot to get anywhere before we had cars. And then, um, yeah, two tracks, farm fields, a little bit of development, and lots of like neighborhoods that I feel like I missed out on as a kid because we didn't have a neighborhood. We were just on yeah this main street so interesting yeah
1: let's talk about the, your beginnings in music I'm curious what's your first recollection of music?
2: I don't have a very musical family so I'm um, really just what was on the radio. My mom would always have soft rock or country or just something something cranked on the radio all the time. Yeah not really much of a influence when I was really young for music. I mean, my my stepmom has always been a singer, so then I probably got some influence from her when she and my dad were married in 96, so I was seven years old. And from then, I actually was in choir myself in elementary, middle school, whenever I could sign up for it and just enjoyed singing and uh, started slowly discovering music on my own from there. So yeah.
1: Let's talk about the the choir part first. I, this is something I didn't know about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you knew how to sing. Hardly. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm a shower singer. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Yeah. Car singer, right? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. What drew you into that? Like, what inspired you to want to be a part of that oh, at probably, such a young age? Yeah, probably just the
2: appreciation for it. As soon as I started to hear music as a way to express yourself, And I just respected hearing a professional singer hit notes correctly. It sounded really good. I thought, wow, I would like to be a part of that somehow. And then I went into choir and I was a a, mediocre singer, like most people are. (laughs) So I went back to concerts and cranking up my speakers and buying new headphones.
1: (laughs) Is this just for choir or was it for anywhere else?
2: Yeah, formal choir training or anything. No, I just only did school. That was it. Okay. I maybe was in some choir for church practice. Um, my grandma was in the choir for many years, but no, I didn't do anything else besides that. Was never in band or strings, just had friends who, who played some instruments.
1: Sweet. With the choir, is there any like fond memories of like, one of the things I see oftentimes with students who are in band and choir is that they have these wonderful memories with their group, right? Mm-hmm. Their choir, their band. So I, I don't know. I just thought, is there something that you remember yeah, definitely. That, that stands out? That's something that you appreciate from your time. Yeah. So I didn't continue the pursuit of choir
2: as some of my you know friends who were in middle school choir did. They went on to join in high school. And continue. I just did sports and other things. But when I was in middle school, one of my childhood friends who I've known since, you know, T-ball days, he and I were in choir together in middle school and put on, we had some really good memories there. And I just appreciated applying structure to music. You know, for me, it was just this fleeting, you know, magical thing that was happening. And so once I started to understand more of how to create music and, and how to follow how to read music right that was, that was really
1: eye-opening for me. Why do you think it opened up those eyes for you? Yeah,
2: I think just because as a, as a little kid, I just thought it was you know some sort of hey, somebody has a skill they just something came to them and they just magically created right <laughs> so it was this elusive thing like oh music man only musicians can do music yeah you know and then once I learned a little bit more, about it, then started to just open my eyes to it. I had a whole new opening, an entire book about things I had no idea about.
1: So. Yeah, that's awesome. One of the things you mentioned was country music. So artists like Shania Twain, Faith Hill come to mind in terms of your country journey. So I know those two particular artists were huge at that time. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shania Twain especially. Oh yeah, Is it just because that's what was what your uh, it sounded like your stepmom was listening to, or w- was there something that yeah, interested parents. you about it as well?
2: No, um I've always had a pretty surface level appreciation for music, and I threw out some names there when I was really young that I remember hearing either on the radio or on tapes. Later, you know, saw CDs of either my sister or my parents would play. But country music was always a part of my childhood because we were in the country. Yeah, driving down a dirt road in a pickup truck, you might as well throw some twang in there.
1: <laughs> so what's interesting is why do you think I lived in the country growing up? Yep, but yet didn't listen. To I country. didn't listen to it. Really, that's mm-hmm. not what my parents listened to. And that part of that's because of the more religious upbringing sure. I think uh, that they had. So it's always kind of intrigued me why living in the country prompts listening to country
2: yeah well i mean you know availability radio stations or country music is popular there i guess maybe more popular in urban areas i'm not really sure but yeah definitely influenced by my parents so i would i would have to ask my parents why did you turn country on you yeah know? and my dad would say probably came from his parents listening to it or his peers listening to it and, my mom would say the you know, same thing, just sounded good to them. So, you know, my parents didn't really have a huge musical background either. I don't remember musicians or bands being presented to me or like available for me to listen to outside of the CCM. Right. Christian music was, And I think country also was a good alternative for the radio to be on with kids in the car. Sure. Yeah. As opposed to only contemporary christian music yeah well
1: oh, that's a good point actually
2: i think that nowadays they would disagree right yeah tree has taken the pop culture turn in the right. past decade
1: so. yeah but it would probably still be i'm guessing here but it, i'm sure it's still appropriate for kids to listen to in the car compared to other options yeah maybe something more explicit or just more
2: aggressive sounding yeah i know my parents did avoid aggressive sounding music, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah. So as you're growing up in elementary, and this was even pre elementary, you mentioned CCM, mm-hmm. but there's the usual suspects here, DC talk Newsboys, oh, yeah. audio adrenaline um, amongst, amongst many others. Yeah. Right. And I'm curious, was there something that attracted you to those artists or was it just again, what's being played on the radio?
2: I would say I was tipped off to it by it being played for me, typically, but my appreciation was probably due to the balance that I think that it provided, especially when you got into some of the non-traditional CCM artists where, okay, these lyrics are maybe not something that you could write to a hymn, or these are not the exact same chords that every CCM, right? Like as soon as I started to notice there's an edge to CCM, the more I was intrigued with it because, okay, yes, my faith is important to me and it's a big part of my life, but you're telling me that this music can also not only be about faith for every other lyric, right? So, right. So that was kind of cool for me. I got to see a little balance there.
1: Yeah. Well, and especially if those bands, that I mentioned, they, yes, they are talking about their faith and being very specific about it, but they could also just be talking about more of typical life experiences that anybody would be having, right? Absolutely. And I love that when an artist is
2: not in the genre of Christian music and they catch you off guard in a good way, just expressing their faith in in the same way that they might express something else, but just to, to share that personal part of their life story and it is on the, what we know as CCM kids, secular. Yeah. World, yeah, yeah. Right. We, outside of uh, Christian circles, the secular world didn't really exist, but to then go into the secular world as a teenager and realize, Whoa, other artists are talking about things that are valued driven by morals and beliefs. And then, Hey, even into their religious faith. So right. That was really cool for me.
1: Sweet. Looking back now, at those artists that you listen to at a young age, how do you take it now? This is something that you used to listen to primarily, Mm -hmm. not so much anymore. And like, how do you grapple with that particular genre or the kind of messages that were being told at that age compared to now?
2: Yeah. um, I guess I would say that they're still important to me. I'll throw on local Christian radio, in the car still today and just kind of see what type of music is being put out there. I'll keep up with other, maybe not what was popular right in the nineties, but I'll keep up with what is still popular today for Christian music. You know, still go to Christian concerts and I have some artists that I follow who either publicize that they're Christians or they produce Christian music, either or. So I think it's just evolution over time. I still really appreciate the message. And I think it's mostly valuable for young kids, adolescents to hear a good message, a positive message as a general rule when they're listening to music. I don't know. Okay. I'm, I'm also an optimist, so I might be projecting, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was really important to me. When you have negative thoughts, hey, listen to something that's positive, upbeat, maybe help you with your mood.
1: Yeah. I find that interesting that, so let's take just general in music, how sometimes there is not always a whole lot of uplifting current music, Mm. I would say. Is that something that you feel like is also the case? And then what do we do about that? Especially for teens who are primarily listening to maybe more chill type of music to help with their emotions? I don't know.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I I guess I don't know. I'm not a music statistician i couldn't tell you exactly if we're we're trending more negative or positive but i think that there's always a style of music that you can find that will hit you the right way for the for the mood or for the time in your life and i think i mean i listen to some you know some pretty angry yeah punky punky emo music i'm still a fan of that but i think there's a time and place so maybe when brain development is not as important as an adult or a college age kid. I mean, I don't know the, some of my formidable years though, I can definitely remember listening to some pretty angry music and, and being able to articulate my feelings where I couldn't with words. Right. So right. I think it's a very good outlet you know, Yeah. as well.
1: Before we get to the punk emo, I do want to ask about <laughs> some of the the pop acts that you were listening to in elementary and in middle school. So yeah. the boy bands. Oh yeah. Right. So Backstreet Boys and saying even some Christina Aguilera. Oh yeah. Where is that coming from? Because that just wow. did not seem like that was something that you would be uh
2: <laughs> well I was interested in. Yeah. I don't think that it was it was by choice. I mean, once I had a catchy song is a catchy song, right? Yeah. So once the earworm is there, then as I had limited resources. <laughs> I can blame it on that. My music interests have expanded a lot since then, but it was just what everybody else was listening to, you know? And it was a, it was a fun thing to be included. Hey, I know the song. Hey, I know these lyrics when people are singing on the, on the radio, I can be included in that. So, you know, I, Personally, would never buy tickets to a boy band concert. Even back then, I would have been in attendance if someone bought me a ticket. Sure, right? It's entertainment. It's free, but no, I wouldn't say that I align with a boy band lover mentality. Yeah. <laughs> there, right. appreciation, right? Because it's is top radio. right Everybody was listening to it. Yeah,
1: so. I remember growing up with that stuff and being so annoyed with it because uh. it was so constant. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah.
1: And now you have a great thing you're saying. Yeah. (laughs) Well now like you're listening to it and there's parts that are still cheesy. Yeah. Sure. But the, like you said, they're earworms. Mm -hmm. There's reasons why. Oh yeah. Universally those bands were loved and huge. Yep. There's something, I don't know if you knew this, but like they were engineered and produced by Swedes who had very intelligent information on why they were creating the the music that they were. Mm. And some of those same producers are still making hits right now. You know, oh, yeah. it's just yeah. crazy how good those hooks were and, yep. and the melodies like yep, just outstanding. And then, you know, we have people like JT who are still going.
2: Oh yeah. Absolutely. And funny enough, one person I don't have on this list, but I saw a concert in probably 20, let's say 2015 for guessing, Britney Spears in Vegas. Wow. And you know what? To her credit, incredible show, great entertainment value. Definitely not my style of music. (laughs) Definitely every other song you know by accident because it's an earworm. Yeah. But entertainment value for sure. Okay. No, I didn't buy the tickets, but (laughs) <laughs> if somebody's going to say, hey, you're in Vegas, you want a free ticket for this? I went with some friends and we were entertained. So,
1: What was uh, so entertaining about it? She's kind of at a, I wouldn't say past her prime necessarily, but like. Mm-hmm. It well, she it. has,
2: yeah, she has a place in Vegas. Yeah. yeah. I, mean, that just, I mean, maybe, himself,
1: maybe so. it is past the prime.
2: The entertainment value was just, you know, the glitz and glam, a new outfit for Every a, song. half a song, right? Like, oh, we made it to the chorus time for Brittany to change <laughs> <laughs> and then probably part and parcel to the the audience the crowd response you know the the people who are even older than me who are just loving it you yeah know? and alcohol or not people were just wildly entertained right she's very engaging with the crowd right she's putting on a show right. not just a concert and, and who knows if she was even singing right like we we don't know but it was it's entertaining all right. Yeah.
1: Let's uh, transition to, I think, what I would guess is the time when you start to really branch out. Mm-hmm. And that's the, the punk and emo, which would have been middle, high school. Yeah. So we're talking about Jack's Mannequin, Green Day, yeah. Dashboard Confessional. So what drew you into the emo and to the punk?
2: So I would say that anger runs in my family. And a part of that, even identifying that and expressing that really came through music. So I vividly remember being an angsty teenager ball of you know stress and just plugging in my headphones. The MP3 player that I could afford and the songs that I could afford to buy were loaded up on there. And even before that CD player, right, yeah, borrow CDs or reserve them from the library and buy what I could but it just allowed me to express myself and so when artists came along who were doing that in a very passionate way I think my the attribute I look for the most in music is passion and and just um, intensity and so obviously there you go you got emo
1: <laughs> the edgy the edgy uh, edgy intensity so it's kind of um I don't know what the right word is here but it just eerily similar what I'm hearing from you with me. So I'm kind of taken aback (laughs) in a little in a little way because it's it's kind of personal even for me. Just hearing what you had to say with the the anger. And I think the other thing that I definitely agree with you on is I'm drawn to the passion too from musical acts as well. Mm -hmm. That's definitely something that when I see it, especially live. Oh yeah it's so addictive yep absolutely so people
2: going like over the top with expressing themselves right like a good musician can do that without like if i'm picking up what you're putting down you're at a show and they're they're out of range like by accident right like they're yeah like it's just it's bubbling out of them to the point where like whoa you're not leaving anything on the table like yes you have a talent for this but you also either push the envelope with lyrics or you push the envelope with, with range and the audience is just like, Whoa, took it to 110%. And right. Like that's that's what you want to do in entertainment.
1: Well, I feel like it's in that moment when you see that passion, you're able to connect with it, not only just a connection, but then you're able to replicate it yourself. You are then engaged Hmm. and you are, you know, whether it's, singing along to the top of your lungs or moshing or whatever the, oh, yeah. the act is. Absolutely. You are fully immersed into it yourself and be, and it helps too. And the, the crowd is likewise, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
2: It's funny you say that because I can remember a lot of my favorite shows that I've attended having left there and I left my voice there with it yeah you know? and i've got the i've got the frog in my throat for you know the next day or at least that night right like whoa right i just yeah yeah and you really get into it and shirts really, drenched oh yeah you're sweaty everybody's sweaty yeah yeah you yeah you're walking back to your car or whatever and you're just like on cloud nine just bliss like you're radiating from all of that endorphin rush
1: and experience <laughs> Did you see these artists at those times in high school? Any of these? Like Most of Dashboard them, Confessional or was that later?
2: Yeah, I wouldn't have been able to afford tickets or maybe I wouldn't even have had a car back then, but the artists that I loved in high school, you know, stuck with me. And so when I could afford to or had the opportunity, I, I jumped on the tickets, you know, in college once I had my own wallet. car (laughs) i went to as many concerts as i could yeah so
1: i kind of want to stick with the the punk and emo yeah this was also a time like this wasn't just a fad right this was culture shifting in a lot of ways during this time in in the mid aughts but the emo Mm -hmm. was driving a lot of music at this time artists that i didn't even mention like paramore for example huge during this time what do you think was happening for people like you and i to listen to emo and and the pop punk mm-hmm. what was drawing teenagers to that at that time Shoot, loaded
2: question yeah i mean i'm i'm probably not the guy to ask but i think it was just being able to define ourselves if i if i had to think back to, to my peers being able to i don't know maybe just general Teenage not being heard by adults, you know, teenager feeling that you have when, when you're wrestling with adults all the time. And maybe it was just a perfect, a perfect storm where these artists were releasing that type of music and the teenagers at the time. You know, who knows? Maybe if you talk to 25-year-olds, they'd be like, oh, I never <laughs> listened to that or, you know, eight-year-olds who, who missed the mark, right? But that huge chunk of my peers during that time really grabbed onto that music.
1: Yeah. I'm curious if it's part of, and maybe I'm stereotyping here, but often people who would, I felt like, listen to emo were viewed as outsiders Mm. from the popular crowd, for example. Mm. And I wonder if it was a way for those
2: fringe, um, yes,
1: individuals to, like you said, have a label, an identity marker. Yeah. That wasn't about sports or a fashion or yeah, whatever or the whatever the, cl- the click was yeah right but that it it was about music
2: yeah or like you said being an outlier the underdog the outcast yeah. right yeah whatever it is that's a that's a really good point right i've learned a lot of about my personality style over the years and i would definitely say that that yeah. had to do with it you know and my group of friends you know i was not part of a click i was friendly with everybody but i was not into specific sports, or I would definitely consider myself not in the normal social circles.
1: Cool. Let's talk about something that also takes place during this time is a mutual band that we appreciate is Coldplay. Mm -hmm. Talk about how you got into listening to them.
2: Yeah. Funny story. So I remember going to a friend's house. It was just like a random Saturday, but their mom was blasting cold play before she put her headphones on <laughs> for convenience she was blasting like speakers at 11 yeah and, and she apparently this was his her routine she would clean the house and she would just put on something like cold play or similar and that x and y album just i heard it on repeat hanging with my buddy playing video games or whatever we were doing you know pokemon who knows but uh <laughs> yeah you hear enough of that and catches your attention and, and from there i was i was hooked you know i listened to coldplay every year of my life since then you know yeah absolutely
1: you said you know every year since like what is i mean so they've evolved they've changed at times and they're not that soft rock type of band that we see from their first three albums Mm-mm. there's electronic there's right a they lot of over time there's yep. a lot of experimenting as well like especially in I would say Viva La Vida album absolutely and some of that
2: I could take it or leave it but I I mostly like their really old stuff pretty much x and y and before Viva La Vida I grabbed because I had been enamored with them it was a bit out there for me but I I still enjoyed it after that what's it Milo is how do you say yeah (laughs) yeah That album, I think, crushed it. There were a few outliers that I didn't really like, but um, for the most part, loved it. And then I see what you're saying. As the albums continued pretty much after that, they just started to get a little bit more interesting or experimental. And Some of those songs, I can take take them or leave them. You can. But overall sound, definitely appreciate Coldplay.
1: So, you said the sound like is it something specific that they're doing that you appreciate, or is it just the collective kind of part with the music and the lyrics?
2: Yeah, I guess
1: I've never been really asked <laughs> these <types of> <laughs> why does music
2: sound good? <laughs> so, yeah, subjective opinion would be I think I appreciate their pace, or maybe just the pace tied with the lyrics, but you know, the way that. It's delivered, I think, that there's an energy that just kind of follows most of their music where I'm captured with it, right? Yeah. So then it makes me curious, like, okay, logically, am I captured with it, right? And then do I read the lyrics and do I think about it more? And that would probably be why.
1: Sweet. Post high school, there is a continuation of more of that emo and the punk. But what's interesting is some of the, the artists that you're really gravitating towards are not mainstream like green day Mm -hmm. or dashboard confessional we're talking about like secondhand serenade the white tie affair Mm -hmm. were you intentional with branching out with that at that time
2: no i don't think that i would say any of my music choices have really been intentional they've always been kind of random you know my (laughs) my favorite way to experience music is to throw on a shuffle mix or a radio build pandora was just my bread and butter
1: which would have been around this time
2: yeah yeah i just loved throwing on a sound that i liked and then discovering new artists from there and then white tie affair was just had like a, a blip of popularity but they had a local show That a buddy had won tickets on the radio, so we went and saw basically this one solo artist. I can't remember if he had a drummer with him or not. But and then yeah, the second hand serenade, couple hits. But people who like emo music probably know some of those songs. Hawk Nelson and FM Static were on that cusp, but they were also not in the mainstream, and they were Christian artists, Right. right? Who were yeah producing punk, emo type of music. Yeah, Seven Glory is on there too. And that is absolutely no one knows band because I don't think they're even making music anymore. I worked for a couple of youth ministry teams volunteering and, and employed by. And Seven Glory was one of those bands that we went to a local camp in the winter and maybe other seasons as well. But they were just like the band. Right. And they had an incredible sound. I thought for sure they were going to be wildly popular and for whatever reason didn't I don't know if they even made made music after that Interesting. part time in my life. But yeah, they just crush it.
1: Around this time too, you are kind of having a you're flashing back a little bit to the nineties and you're listening to some of these yep. pop Alternative acts like Matchbox 20, Third Eye Blind, Yes, Counting Crows. I'm curious, what prompted you to come back to that at that particular time?
2: Yeah, and and you're as blindsided as I was. (laughs) um, Interesting, interesting stuff. So this was almost like one of those out-of-body experiences that you have occasionally in your life where I can vividly remember the store that I was walking to in a small beach town on Lake Michigan and i remember the music in this retail store caught my ear i stopped what i was doing and nostalgia hit me like a freight train yeah i found myself mouthing and then singing this song <laughs> that i had not heard in well at least not regularly listened to in 15 years so it was it was a pretty cool experience where nostalgia was kind of Taking me over there and I had to find out what it was it was right when Shazam was like trying to be an iPhone app and I remember I I had just gotten like my second iPhone or something and so I was like <laughs> trying to search no cell service couldn't find what I know oh my lyrics, gosh I know every single lyric I'm punching them into the stupid yeah. smartphone and it's it's not helping me here so I think I went a few months and I'm like You know, I had been tantalized with this nostalgic music. So, of course, popped into Pandora, built some 90s jams, and I was off again. So, it it was just kind of a blip of music appreciation Okay, for yesteryear.
1: Do you remember what the song was now?
2: I don't remember specifically what the song was. If I had to guess, yeah, I'm not even going to guess. We'll just leave it up to Your favorite for anyone listening, your favorite 90s soft rock song was playing (laughs) in that retail store. You stop in your tracks and you're like, whoa, you know, it was probably the most popular one from 1994 that was on the radio that month I happened to be listening to right soft rock radio.
1: Let's keep going. Throughout this time, you know, post-college, you're still diving in with the pop punk and the emo Mm -hmm. and It's just a continuation of that. So All American Rejects, Red Jumpsuit Apparatus. Is this something that you still listen to even today? No,
2: not on purpose. So my typical day is shuffling my 3,000-liked songs on Spotify. And I, I am a person who loves that I have that feature because... You know, something from Newfound Glory will pop up and I'm like, oh, this sounds amazing. You know, yeah. and then if I'm not in the mood for it, it's like, nope, skip-, skip, you know. And so I like that shuffle flexibility where based on my drive time or based on my mood or whatever it is, yeah, I like to set the tone for my activity for the day, stressed out, working hard, whatever it is. You know? <laughs> I've got my go to playlists
1: for, for those types of things. Yeah. What's interesting is, so you mentioned all American rejects at a time when they're not, no, nope. they're not the thing. They are not. It's like 10 years later in a, in a way, maybe five, but yeah, <laughs> Yeah. either um, way,
2: I had missed the boat,
1: which is that <laughs> happens, right? <laughs> right? Is that what happened? Or is it, there was something you were connecting with emotionally or you tell me.
2: Yeah, definitely the time in your life, the emotions that you're experiencing can can drive those things. So at that time, I do remember just being in community college, working my butt off. And I think I was just going through some times of stress at that point. And so getting back into that expressive music, that intense music where I can crank my tiny little speakers in my tiny little car to 11 and be able to express myself before and after the stress of college racing off to, I was working 60, 70 hours a week constantly for four or five years. And so that was probably the time All American Rejects probably they had released a new single or something. So it was like, let me grab that old album that I used to love. Right. Yeah. That was probably it.
1: Yeah. Another thing that's starting to develop at this time is more current alternative music. So the Jimmy Eat Worlds, the Red Hot Chili Peppers, the 30 Seconds to Mars. I mean, those are huge bands at that time. But what's interesting is I could see the connection to 30 seconds to mars i don't necessarily see the connections with jimmy Eat world yeah what what's driving you to listen to alternative music
2: so i would probably just sum it up in one word in- introspection because at that time i was now that i look at my mu- music history as well i was starting to maybe think about music in a more solid fashion or hope for more out of music than than the fleeting random albums I would listen to so I think I just started listening a little bit more closely yeah that would probably be around that time
1: so you're diving into full-on albums rather than like Pandora shuffling at that time yeah
2: okay yeah and so I remember if it caught my attention I would probably just put the album on from beginning to end you know kind of respect the artist process a little bit more or respect what they're trying to do you know 30 seconds to Mars album you can see the cover of it.
1: This is War with in. the the tiger.
2: I think it was after. I have to look at years, but yeah, whatever album was at that time. I was just respecting it more and taking my
1: time to listen more intently. Yeah. Do you feel like that's something that you still do currently? Listen to albums. Or, and, I know you mentioned the Spotify part, but
2: right. Well, I think also part of
1: why I
2: guess I would just say no in general, and part of the reason why. Is that a lot of artists I'm listening to, that's not their traditional style anymore, right? Like I'm, there's a random single or there's a random mix with somebody, a remix or a, a crossover, whatever it is. But yeah, if somebody puts out an album and it's a, you know an artist that I love, I would still listen to it start to finish, right? Yeah. So just very infrequent.
1: Yeah, well, and you, I think you bring up a really good point about how its albums are just not the norm mm-hmm. for artists right now. They're releasing individual songs or, like you said, remixes. It's just a uh, whatever. Yeah. yeah, because it's all about streams, right? It's about as many plays as you can get for that song, and yeah, the market it, it just, is changing. Yeah, it's the... it's different to compared to an album. Mm. So, I'm curious about the. 30 seconds to Mars concert. What was that like?
2: Ooh, yeah. Cuz um, I
1: from the the two times that I've seen them, there's so much passion, there's so much mm-hmm. energy from Jared and, and Shannon.
2: Yeah, I mean, I would I would say the same thing. So, unfortunately, I don't need to go into too much detail, but I I was a little bit turned off by the I don't know, by the by the celebrity vibe right the showmanship yeah but it was just a little too shy yeah for me. and so <laughs> you know i mean jared, jared leto he's he's a big big time guy right? yeah like, super popular with acting not just a musician right Do his respect but i personally was just like hmm. maybe not my personal
1: preference for how
2: i expect a concert to be delivered and, yeah so
1: two things come to mind when did you see him
2: it would have been probably 2014 Maybe twenty thirteen. I'd okay. have to look back, but that's like the around the same time I saw. Him. Was it with Lincoln Park? I don't remember who was with them. Could it possibly have been Twenty One Pilots? Was there an overlap there? I remember two concerts at the same venue and I don't know if they were okay. if they were the same concert. So
1: anyway. Next is what was it about him that kind of rubbed you off in the wrong way?
2: Just the ego. Yeah. A little too proud, proud to be on stage, you know, looking for attention, looking for Yeah. I mean, I'll leave it at that. Okay. As opposed to, Hey, I'm here to like, you know, melt your face off with (laughs) our musical talent and enjoy it with you. Right? I think that was probably part of it is like, or just the over overall vibe is that I don't feel it seemed like he drew a line between himself and his crowd for the sake of popularity. Okay. And I don't, I don't know. I haven't watched his interviews. I don't really know much about Jared Leto, but.
1: Yeah. Seemed a
2: little much for me. All
1: right. It's interesting because he has taken on so many acting roles of mm-hmm. late, and they've only put out one album in the last, when I think it was 2018 was the last album. And, and like their guitarist left as well. So mm-hmm. it, it's a, they are not what they were in like 2009. Right. When they were kicking it, it mm-hmm. seemed like i remember correctly he's old he's like 50 i think hmm. so no disrespect to the 50 year olds out there no but i mean like <laughs> that's difficult though Like at 50 to be able to be at that level of intensity that oh yeah you have typically presented to your fans mm-hmm. so yeah so there's a couple different things that are intertwined together in this number one you start djing you start putting on house parties that you call fancy party. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know who
2: coined the phrase, but (laughs) we had like four of these parties that somebody had the Mm -hmm. harebrained idea. You know what? For our next party, let's dress up. don't know why it was an excuse to get together, but we all put on whatever fancy clothes we had go to Goodwill if we needed to. But yeah, I would just throw on whatever music I was listening to at the time, whatever was popular. I would look to the audience, ask people, hey, do you want to listen to this? Heck yes. Put it on, right? Crank it up. So my buddy had a, a fantastic basement for it. And, so.
1: and this is the part that's connected to it. You're really starting to open up to dance music at this time. Yeah. And there's so much with this that's going on, whether it's Massive Attack, Tisto, David Guetta. What change in terms of like what you've been primarily listening to? With you know, the punk the punk and the emo. Yeah. Like, absolutely. But to I go think, to dance. Yeah, I think the
2: um the overlap there or you know the reason that I guess I could say that I like dance music is just the energy that's still present in the other music that I enjoy right. as well. So I've gotten to the point where certain electronic music, I'm over it before the song makes it to a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty pretty choosy with it. I don't just throw it on as all the time music, of course, as I've gotten older too, just listen to less and less of it, but it's definitely something I appreciate as well. I like a beat that hits hard and is catchy and energizes you. If right? You feel energized by
1: it. Are there any of these artists that you've seen live that you really enjoyed that energy and uh, on the show?
2: Yeah. So I went to one of the first years of Electric Forest. So I got to see a lot of the electronic artists that were popular at that time. That probably would have been somebody who'll have to Google it, but either the second or third year of Electric Forest. And that was just great. I mean, I think it was before it started to get trendy and popular to go to every, every electro show and festival and just go way too hard and for the wrong reason so i I was purely enjoying it with a beer and just with the energy of the crowd and of the music and being in the out open outdoors the energy of the summer it was just a fantastic experience so yeah i actually haven't had interest in going as much anymore due to the popularity and call me call me hipster if you want but i (laughs) (laughs) i've lost a little interest in. You the know, festival it, scene. Yeah. And I think depending on the festival or depending on the artists that are featured, then I'd be interested again. But I don't know. See it seemed a little bit overboard or just overhyped.
1: Yeah. Overpriced, right? Yeah. Definitely overpriced. Definitely. So and you have to deal with the weather. Yeah. That's true. It's a young you know, person's game, right? Yeah. Like get swamped exactly. in a tent
2: and not care at all.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, as we get older, there's definitely more comforts that we want to keep right intact in yeah i feel like isn't that sad yeah crotchety old 33
2: year old people <laughs> if it rains on me i'm going home i'm slamming the trunk <laughs> and they better refund me so i didn't go to the last show
1: <laughs> i don't know if i'm that far <laughs> no, but no, no. <laughs> that's extreme yeah. but you know you you wouldn't yeah you oh, would yeah. not think it hannah and i went on a a trip to a national park over Labor Day weekend yep, and it rained mm-hmm. and we <laughs> were in a tent, you know, like yep. it was, it sucked, like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, not great. And this wasn't what, you know, what we were hoping for. But like if I was 10 years younger, like mm-hmm. I, I probably wouldn't have cared as much. Oh yeah. It's, it's true. interesting how at some point mm-hmm. it switched for us.
2: Well, and, and it all depends on the personality as well, right? I, I have yeah.
1: peers who still
2: completely loving, love being in the great outdoors, regardless of the weather or their circumstances. They're going to have a good time. You know, your tolerance, right? Everybody's got a different tolerance. Sure.
1: Yeah. So, you know, what's interesting here for me, I'm a huge Red Hot Chili Peppers fan, and yet I have not listened to any of Johnny's solo stuff.
2: Oh, really? Yeah. John Frusciante, he's great.
1: So he stepped away in 06 or whenever like mm-hmm. 07 08, and just got back with the band in a, a few years ago so there was a, a long period of time where he was doing his own stuff i'm curious right. about that music and of course i need to check it out yeah absolutely so i have
2: always had an appreciation for instrumental music i'm not sure why or just music that is more melancholy, but also still has pulse to it. I'm not a big fan of melancholy music that is fleeting or relaxing. I appreciate a strong beat to it or rhythm to it. So
1: falls into that category for sure. Does he still have that expected guitar oh, yeah. type of sound mm-hmm. that he you see from the Red Hot Chili Peppers or is oh, yeah. it different? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. I'm guitar focused. Yeah. Yeah. At this time, you also see, get to see uh, you, both you and Becky when saw a 21 Pilots for the first time. I, I'm curious, this was right when they're starting out in terms of- It's true. This was before they were mainstream. This is when they're primarily only on the alternative radio.
2: Yeah, that's a good point. They were, I think they had maybe that same summer hit the popular charts, but yeah, definitely before they went very popular.
1: Yeah. What was it like to see them before they were so well known? I think it was really cool.
2: Like, just in general, they have a great energy, just leaning into the crowd. You know, just there's an orchestra that's happening where they're almost like a call and response, right? Type of thing. So they're very connected with the crowd. Yeah. They just crushed it from an entertainment perspective. And the fact that we all knew all of their music at the time, right? It was front of mind. It was just it was great energy sing
1: yeah. back to them what do you think made them become part of the mainstream for such a kind of unusual act i mean we're talking about a two-piece band right mind you band is not right within the norm right now mm-hmm. what is it about them that's so attractive to listen to
2: i would say i don't know that. I know one of them. Do you know the other sibling? His name, but
1: Tyler, I think. Okay, I so think, Tyler's I think.
2: lead lead singer, then I would assume. So either way, lead singer is very vulnerable in his music, in his lyrics, in his delivery as well. He's got a range of emotions in his in his songs, but overall intensity. I think there's a lot of appeal to. Hey, you've got you've got a well produced sound. People, it's, you know, it can be catchy if it's just on the radio, but then he peels back another layer of that appeal with uh, vulnerability. Yeah, He's just raw, right? He talks yeah. about mental health. He talks about, right. and, and he puts it in your face, right? He's very articulate. So that's the other thing too. You know, sometimes you'll hear an artist who you're like, I think
1: I get what you're saying. I need to listen to
2: it four more times,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but he's very articulate. So. Right. So around, I mean, we're talking around the time that we met, a lot of you kind of coming back to some softer rock at this time that's taking place, even some getting back into some of your country roots here too. Put my boots back on. (laughs) So in terms of the soft rock, we're talking about like Matt Carney and Mumford and Sons, Young the Giant, but then also Stephen Kellogg. Mm Mm-hmm. Right And Dan and Shay, another okay. with the country. Yeah. So I know I just mentioned soft rock and country, <laughs> right? But I feel like you're kind of coming back to what we started with. Yeah. Way. And even and and I forgot to mention, you're still listening to Christian music
2: too. Right. And so I understand why you're having a hard time with that because we're, <laughs> we're starting with show tunes, greatest showman soundtrack, ex-ambassadors. Then we go Hillsong United, Matt Carney, great Blue October, right? Like what? What the heck is going on? It's
1: it's like um, hodgepodge. It's like your greatest hits, but with current artists of that time. Yeah. So it's like taking back to the to the nineties, but with a current or newer artist. Yeah. Of that genre,
2: right? Maybe that year, that couple of years, I was just having a more just coming into musical maturity, I guess, you know? Hey, who's the best or who's my favorite of this genre? And then I just listened to a lot of them. So yeah, Young the Giant blew me away when I started listening to him. Caught me off guard, was very pleasantly surprised. Found myself continuing to put their music on. Mumford and Sons I saw live just literally blew me away. When was one, that? one of the concerts that you cry, cry at, right? So yeah. it's like, whoa, what is happening?
1: When did you see them?
2: so that was firefly music festival we drove out to dover delaware and yeah i guess that would probably have been 2016 i'm just guessing here i'd have to look look these up but they were they were in their in their prime yeah and it was incredible to see them live side by side florence the machine oh yeah
1: yeah she's
2: amazing huge energy
1: yeah yeah so talk about the greatest showman one of the things again that i'll mention is that we have a huge passion about homes and what's interesting is i would say that that soundtrack has appeal from everyone right like so many people people i interact with who have barely watched movies and they love that soundtrack Mm -hmm. what is it about that soundtrack
2: yeah probably more more back to you know, people want to be able to express themselves, vulnerability, um, e- easy to understand. Here's a storyline, right? This isn't just a song, but it's telling a story. There's evolution in that in that story arc. I think people appreciate that. Hey, we know what the rough beginning can look like, and then we know what the heights can look like, and we right, it that's what it is. Yeah, it, throughout the soundtrack. Yeah, and just. Almost every single one of those songs, you know, you you feel obligated to sing every single lyric because it's very catchy, well produced. I don't know. Lots of elements
1: there. Yeah. I feel like, you know, for the last several years, it's again, a lot of this, as you said, a hodgepodge of things. So again, whether it's some of the pop to the, the country, even alternative, and then, I mean, even like dance with Giorgio Mordor. Mm-hmm. It's a fascinating look, kind of like what you're listening to currently. So besides the the shuffling on Spotify, like mm-hmm. what are you looking for when you find new music? I use Release
2: Radar as a crutch. So the more that I pump into Spotify, the more their machine learning and AI is going to deliver back to me in the form of Release Radar. And Discover Weekly, right? Also, right. those are both algorithm-based playlists.
1: So... What's drawing you to be confident in relying on that? So honestly, convenience. I can uh,
2: use use a voice command to say, fill this place with sound. Yeah. Right. And, and that's most of the time. I prefer having a, a little bit of background music to something. And then if the mood strikes me, if the energy strikes me, I'm like, I, I want to discover more about the artist. I just dive right in. Like, right. Okay who is this? What? Oh, I know this. Wow. This brings me back to this, you know? And so I do a lot of the, it's like a family tree. Yeah, I do. Yeah. The, the random mind mapping of, (laughs) Hey, I'm in a Wikipedia black hole because (laughs) I listened to this one artist and that was 45 (laughs) minutes ago. And I've just found like six new artists along the way. Right. So that's, that's my typical approach when I'm giving music, my full attention. And most of the time, Unfortunately, it isn't. I don't give it my full attention. So I, I still make sure to browse for concerts. I have uh, alerts turned on for a lot of a lot of artists. I love going to local shows. That's a no-brainer. We just went to see Jimmy Eat World in Detroit this past weekend. You nice. Know the, it's something I feel like I will always do, yep. go, go to see live shows.
1: So that was the last show I saw before COVID was Jimmy Eat World hmm. in 20, 2019. Wow. What was it like to see them? So that was
2: my first time seeing Jimmy World. Or maybe I had seen them like with somebody else or I don't know exactly, but in the recallable past. I think they did a great job, you know, surprised by their energy. I think they were energized by the crowd because they were on the mic talking about how St. Andrews Hall was the venue that they go to. And they have been there since 1996. Right, That venue is awesome. Oh yeah. I mean we unfortunately they absolutely oversold the show this past weekend because I I haven't experienced that in a while. It's probably they're getting back into numbers post COVID,
1: but it was a little uncomfortable and how tight it was. Yeah, I mean yeah. Well, one thing that like I noticed the last time I was at Saint Andrews is that they put the on the right side all their equipment. Mm-hmm the bags and the, and the boxes and all the stuff for the, the artists that I saw and just felt so cramped, Mm. I think due in large to that. Yeah. Whereas other times I've been to St. Andrews and it does not feel cramped. Mm -hmm. I mean, you might feel a lot of people like like you bump into, you bump into people like normal, but you're, I don't know what it was that one time, but it was just, totally uncomfortable Mm -hmm. so i don't know what's up with st andrew's feeling so packed for both of us in different experiences right and you know what most of the time
2: i'm not i would i would say a fully jimmy world fan i'm i'm a you know i know 70 percent of their music maybe right but so that's the other part of it too where if it were a band that i you know could can sing every every word I'm in the pit, I'm on, you know, I'm as far up as I can. I'm just really getting into it. So this is one of those shows where like, whoa, I'm gonna pay a little bit more respect to the, you know, fans who are a decade older than me, right? And kinda give a little space. As soon as we got through the line though, you were barely through the door and I'm like, oh, okay, we'll just, you know, grab a drink and then go into the crowd. No, like you're in the crowd. So that that was the uncomfortable part. Like, whoa, we're standing by the sound guy. Yeah. And we can't go anywhere at all. Everybody's giving people looks if they're getting you know smashed around and stuff. It's like, hey, nobody's nobody's having fun back here. So. Yeah. Should have just crowd surfed to the fun, right? <laughs> that would have been the move right there.
1: We, we've talked a lot about concerts. And, and you've mentioned to me before, even before today, how many concerts you've been to. Mm-hmm. And you, you suspect over 200. Yeah
2: random guess. Yeah. Just looking at my at my history.
1: Which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Right. Like that is just I it's awesome that you have been to that many shows. It might so my question is, what makes you enjoy going to concerts so much?
2: It's everything that you love about music just amplified. So the sense of community, the camaraderie, everybody else is appreciating the same thing as you and you just leave voiceless with having just bunch of endorphin rush. Awesome experience just from the energy. And oftentimes I will appreciate shows more if I'm sitting back and kind of enjoying the show. So like there are typically two different ways that I'll enjoy shows. Like one, I'm just in the mix, amped up heart rates over the top singing, dancing the works. But then there's also shows where like, Whoa. I step back and I just like appreciate, I appreciate the art that's yeah. going on the, the expressive nature of people. And some shows can break it for you. You, you have a bad interaction or people are being jerks. And right. It's going to be a rough time. They don't have your beer on tap. What am I going to do now? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, you, you know, I've been to some shows where I'm like, ah, that was not great. Can't wait for the next one, right? Like I'm not, I'm not jaded at all. I'm so looking forward to the energy of the next one. Right. Yeah.
1: What would you say the, some of the best shows that you've been to? Wow.
2: Loaded question there. So we had the privilege of going to Ryman Auditorium. Nice. And so that was incredible. Um, Yeah. One of our, one of my favorite bands from, you know, starting in high school, was Need to Breathe and has continued to be one of my favorite bands. So we saw them with One Republic. So it was like ah oh, incredible music producer and right know, writer. And then Need to Breathe like can't get any better than that. So that was that was probably probably near the top. I haven't been to Red Rocks before, you know, like <laughs> I've been to some amazing venues. Outdoor amphitheaters are always fantastic, but I also love the tiny little crowded pit. Right. Not quite punching each other, but pretty close to it, right? Where you're just like, everybody's jumping, everybody's moving. Funny enough, Macklemore put on quite the show. I mean, not surprising, you know? Yeah. High production value. That was a pleasant surprise. And then I would say for the intimate ones, I really enjoy an acoustic show where they just sit down with you and, and need to breathe does this regularly. They'll be you know, doing their normal concert and then they have a, a slow breakdown component and it's just great cause you get to be more intimate and more chill and more reflective
1: Yeah, in their music. Since you mentioned need to breathe, have you listened to Wilder woods at all?
2: Yes. A, a taste. Okay. So I'm indifferent. I haven't given him the attention that he deserves but all right not bad not good <laughs> i haven't formed an opinion let's just leave it at that yeah, yeah so it, all
1: right i i've I don't know but supply and demand that song is gotcha oh man i think it's nice i think it's really great so how does becky feel about all these uh, concerts
2: i don't really invite her <laughs> We've been together eight years, and she's like, oh, you got another show. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) She's right there next to me. All jokes aside, she's right there next to me. Every single show. Yeah. I, like, maybe a few shows I've gone with friends, but luckily I have a wife who has the best taste in music because it happens to be very similar to mine. So
1: Nice. Yeah. I hope that, you know, that she's there. Yep. You know and supportive uh, but yeah. like you said too just if it's identi- if it's similar right that's a huge draw too
2: and there are times where obviously hey one of us appreciates this artist a lot more than the other we're, we're absolutely
1: in for a show
2: though right like yeah before she was into this band I was and then you know typically pushes either over the edge when you're when your loved ones or you know friends are just like whoa They love this band. I'm going to give them, you know, give them some more attention. So
1: Uh what is it about music that makes us as humans listen to it? What's so appealing about music?
2: Man, there's got to be, you know, a neuroscientist who can answer that one for (laughs) us. (laughs) I don't know. There's the old cliche, right? Um, Artwork decorates walls. Music decorates time. I would say that part of it where. Music helps fill a space, right? I'm a person who's more extroverted than I I am introverted, but I really appreciate when I'm comfortable as an introvert in an introverted space or an antisocial setting. So I always like to have some background music, just lighten the mood. Everybody's enjoying themselves a little bit more, perhaps. So music's a crutch and a necessity at times, but I think that it's just, another art form where people can appreciate it and it happens to be super convenient, super accessible, not expensive for what you get. Yeah. And then just as with any other art form, the ability to express yourself. Most people I would say have a hard time expressing themselves in one way or the other. And so if music can allow you to do that or escape from expressing yourself or whatever it is, it's unbeatable, invaluable.
1: Yeah. Awesome. Well, Josh, thanks for for doing this. Yeah. Appreciate it.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah.
0: Thank you for listening to Soundtrack with Kyle Lichty. Each person interviewed has created a playlist of the very songs that have impacted their life. If you are interested in listening to their playlist, you can head straight to our website at soundtrack.fireside.fm. Click on Soundtrack Playlist, and it will take you straight to their playlist on Spotify. If you like the podcast and want to know more, check out our Instagram at soundtrack podcast, or leave us a review on your podcast platform of choice. Join us next time on Soundtrack.